All right, we do have a quorum. Great. Let's go ahead, McCann. Is that Ross? Okay. So the first action is uh, related to our minutes. Is there a motion to approve the minutes? Motion to approve. And a second. Second. Okay. okay. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Let's. Aye. Let's go to information and discussion. Uh, the chief financial officer report. Good afternoon. So while we're waiting for Cam, just a FYI, I just heard from Joe. He's coming in just a few minutes. Great. On the uh, agenda slide there, Mike, um, I'm going to give a brief COVID-19 update and talk about the March financial highlights. And then I want to talk about the net negative balance, our uh, forecast for FY20 and 21 and that we still project to be over the NNB limit. And then I'd like to make just a few comments regarding the FY21 operating and capital budget. So we'll start with the COVID-19 update. Um, so as many of you know, our gross charges have dropped about 30%. That started in mid-March, right after the shelter-in-place order was placed. Um, that is about $3.5 million of net revenue per week. We're estimating now that the net revenue impact to AHS will be about $40 million. Um, I want to say that that is kind of my best guess. I really don't know. I know we're trying to reschedule elective procedures now. Um, whether that will pick up quickly or ramp slowly is yet to be determined. So I just kind of um, assume that in May we might get to 50% and 75% of historicals um, in June. Uh, of course, it, you know, if we end up with a surge, all of that is out the window, right? Um, in regard to expenses, um, we're estimating we spend about $3 million extra on um, PP&E and that sort of thing. Um, we estimate right now that we'll spend about $6 million for employees on leave. Um, but the expense side is nothing compared to that loss of net revenue. You know, as a hospital, we have a lot, a lot of overhead. Um, you know, we need to keep the lights on. We need to have people here. And that is expensive when you have such a low census. The first two pages of my report are the potential funding sources to provide relief to the system. The CARES Act, part one and two on the first page, uh, we have already received $14 million. So that was based on our Medicare book of business. And as many of you know, that's about 20% of our payer mix, which is probably lower than most other organizations. However, that uh, those dollars were very helpful and very timely. Um, there's not really anything that we have to do other than not bill for COVID testing, meaning patients. We can bill insurance. We can't bill patients for COVID testing. And we are not allowed to balance bill patients, if you will. So if someone comes into our system, we need to charge them the same as um, 
uh, anyone else would charge them. So uh, those are the two conditions for those funds. Thought someone was going to ask a question. Uh, I, I don't know if you want me to go through every single one of these. Um, basically, for part three, there, uh, you know, we don't we don't qualify. Some of these other items are smaller, but I do want to point out that the county has received some funds, um, particularly there for we have it labeled as part five. Um, there was uh, money transferred to the county for FQHCs. Obviously, we run four of those. So my hope is that the county will end up giving us some money um, through that process since it, those expenses were, you know, to help us. Uh, we shall see. Kim, can, can you say something about what's the process for that? Is there a, a conversation happening or so I have a meeting with uh, the county once a month, and it's on my agenda, so I haven't had the conversation with them yet. Um, but I'm sure we would need some kind of agreement to be in place. But clearly, the our, our, uh, you know the FQs were just awarded um, based on the UDS report, and of course that UDS report is AHS data. Understood. The other... The other thing I would note is that uh, these uh, received revenues are not actually going to be in the March report that you're presenting today. These are in April, it looks like. Uh, We did accrue for, uh, we're going to do over three months is basically the plan for that funding. Got it. Uh, It must have been a portion of March. Ah, man. There we go. (laughs) <laughs> trying to get set up here still, sorry. Yeah, so uh, what we decided to do, it was do it over three months, and so we have recorded one full month. I could have done two weeks, you know, and done it in a lot of different ways. We just decided that, the, that it was likely that the biggest hit was going to be early on, so we just went ahead and divided the total amount in three. So, you know, we could, we could have done it 100 or a partial month? We didn't do a partial. We just divided it in three, March, April, March, April, May. Okay. Good. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So the next slide there. Um, here are uh, some other sources that we're looking into. Um, uh, FEMA is, is it, they reimburse expenses typically only, and our expenses really aren't that high related to COVID. You know, obviously we want to get any, um, any relief that we can, um, but I think it's kind of limited just because our expenses are not that high directly associated with, uh, with COVID. Um, the IRS, though, is um, offering a credit, and I'm thinking that that may be very beneficial to us since we have so many people out on leave. Um, so that just came out within probably the last uh, few weeks. Um, and those, so those two, I'm quite hopeful. Um, but this, I wanted just to give you an idea that, you know, we're trying to look at every possible way to, uh, to um, uh, apply and, and receive uh, funding to help us through this, this uh, pandemic. And if anybody, uh, you know, uh, any of the board members or anyone else that knows of any other sources of funds, uh, you know, please, you know, let, let me know so we can you make sure we apply. Yeah. yeah. 
All right. So the next slide is kind of the recap of the expenses. And um, what, what I want you to know there is this all started mid-March. Here we are giving the March report today. Uh, it is now, you know, May 14th, but it takes time to get invoices processed. So I know that this is not a complete list, but it does give you an idea that, you know, at least out of March, April timeframe, we're only at 2 million identified expenses. So uh, although getting our expenses covered is great. It's just not going to make up for $40 million of lost net revenue. Right. Uh, next slide, please. All right, so we'll get into the March report. Uh, what you can see right away is all of our volumes dropping um, across the board. Uh, what's kind of interesting is that, you know, in the clinic setting, we immediately dropped, you know, and this is only, you know, basically two weeks, right? And we saw for a full month a 24% reduction in clinic visits. Uh, on the hospital side, not quite as big, probably because we had patients in-house that couldn't just automatically go home, but our length of stay did shorten, uh, and they're down about 15%. So. Uh, you'll have to ignore the observation equivalent days there. We had a, a correction run through the current month. That's not really a negative 28, so just ignore that line for this month. Um, but, yes, you can really see the drop-off, and we were actually slightly ahead uh, in our uh, inpatient acute, and uh, just two weeks in March knocked out that, uh, that positive variance. So is it safe to assume April is uh, is worse than this, uh, close to 50%? Yes, it got worse in April, and then it kind of started to pick up a little bit in, in uh, May. Uh, when we get to the revenue cycle report, I've got some a lot of information on charges, yeah. Yeah, right. and, and it's by week. Good. Next slide, please. So this is the highlight um so if you look at our net income there where we had a loss of 14.3 million um and if you look at year to date at 20 most of it is in march um the EBITDA is still positive for the year we actually still uh, generated cash of 13.5 million let's go to the next slide please So this gives us the detail on the revenue side. So operating revenue for the month of March was 83.2 million, 2.8 below budget. Um, for the year, uh, we're actually ahead 24.8. Uh, and if you go up to the charges there, um, you'll, if you remember on the volume slide, I pointed out the clinic visits dropping so much so fast, and you can see right there outpatient revenue down 24.7. Uh, the blended mix were down 12.6, and that's for about half a month, and, and um, I've confirmed we're about 30%. Um, we took a 30% hit starting that mid-month. In regard to the collection percentage at 16.4, it's a little better than year to date. We are seeing cash coming in. That's the nice, the good side of my story today. Um, but uh, so our collection ratio is uh, is slightly impacted 
upward. Um, if you look at the supplemental programs, you'll see a positive variance of, uh, variance of 4.3. Uh, so that is the 4.7 for one-third of the 14 million. We were talking about that earlier, just a few minutes ago. That's from the CARES Act. Um, but it's being offset because we are reducing our QIP revenue. Uh, we've talked about this a few times that we're having reporting issue, issues. Uh, we're still in the stabilization and um, with EPIC. Our, our hope is that we will be able to fix that reporting and file new reports um, next fiscal year and pick that up. Uh, but we are putting a uh, negative placeholder of 0.6 per month. So the net is the 4.3 positive there. So let's go to the next slide. This is the operating expenses. Um, we're currently at 97.2 million for the month of March, which is 6 million worse than budget. And if you'll notice, we're kind of over across the board. Um, the only positive variance is general and, administra general and administrative, which is not nearly as positive as we've been all year. It's 9.2 versus 20.3. So we obviously had a lot more expenses for COVID. And then also in the physician contracts there, um, we are favorable only because those we've hired several physicians and now as a hired physician, it's showing up under labor costs. And the next slide will give us all the detail in regard to labor. A um, couple comments I want to make here in purchase services. We had a $2.8 million negative variance. The majority of that is coming from outside medical services. We did have some turnover and in processing invoices. Uh, and so there was a, a, a catch up and uh, that hit this month. But I also want to say that we're $1.7 million over budget mm -hmm. year to date for um, other medical services. So uh, there's a, a team led by uh, Tangerine uh, to to uh, look at that and see if there's any opportunities to improve costs. Also in that purchase services line is our elbow support to get us uh, stabilized on Epic. We've talked about that year to date. It's 1.6 million over. And then the remaining large variance is with the uh, legacy AR vendors. Uh, we really under-budgeted that expense. I think the thought was they'd be collecting income, so it might wash a bit. But the reality is we have collections that are cash coming in, and we have the expense of the vendors, and we did not budget enough for that. All right. Uh, the other item there, depreciation. Um, we've been talking about the fact that the acute rehab and Sapphire began depreciating in January. Uh, we did not budget it to start in January. We basically took it all year. And then in addition to that, we did not include enough depreciation expense in our budget. Uh, I'm not too concerned with that. What is important is that those projects be on budget. And as of today, both projects are on budget. We are not over. It is just a budgeting issue with depreciation. Any questions there? Could you remind us of the two projects? 
Uh, it was the Sapphire or Epic and the acute rehab uh, yeah. moved to San Leandro. Thank you. Right, next slide, please. So this slide talks about all of the uh, labor um, components. Uh, and uh, overall, we're 1.7 million unfaithful uh, to budget. And uh, for the year, 16.8 million unfavorable. If you look at the actual variances, let's just start with year to date there. 16.5 of the 16.8 is the retirement. So that is the non-cash portion of the retirement. And we've talked about that uh, in my in reporting in adopting the audit format for our reporting um this really stands out but i think it's the right thing to do uh because uh if we can just standardize reporting i think it'll it'll help communicate the alameda health system financial position uh in a consistent way so we've we've made that change but uh it does look strange with that non-cash item being an operating expense whereas before we used to just show it below the line but technically this is the way we should report for it uh, and hopefully next year and the budgeting will be closer uh, and not have such a large variance uh, so with that said we're 256,000 unfavorable and if you go up year to date if you offset the salary with the registry because we budgeted low in registry and we have not been able to recruit um, regular employees um, the variance really just falls out in physicians and that's a good thing because we are hiring, bringing more physicians in. This represents the psychiatrists at uh, John George, the anesthesiologists, and some uh, um, ED directors. Um, so overall, not a bad story. We still have a lot of vacancies. Looking down at paid FTEs in the bottom, you can see 221 positive variants for the month for the year 132. That's a big number. Uh, and we did have a lot of employees flex themselves off. We, we can flex nurses uh, in other areas. It's a little more challenging to flex folks, folks off. But when our census dropped, a lot of people did uh, use their PTO and, and uh, you know, flex off. So we ended up seeing lower um, FTEs. Any questions on labor? Okay, next slide, please. So now we're moving on to the balance sheet. Um, our uh, gross and net AR days are down, and I would like to say that is, you know, fantastic, except for our charges went down. <laughs> so <laughs> I'd rather see the charges. <laughs> um, our days in AP improved a little bit, um, but we're still a lot higher than we were last year. And again, that has to do with the NNB and that we oftentimes right around payroll time, you know, bump up to that limit and have to hold invoices for vendors. Um, right now, our net receivable from uh, supplementals is $91.2 million. Um, that sounds great. Uh, except for that we need that money for current operations. We can't use it to pay the debt from many years ago. And the next slide gives the detail of the uh, supplemental. Oh, I put cash next. 
All right, so let's talk about cash first. So um, I told you we had a great cash month, and there you can see it, 68.6 million. I mean, just uh, the best month we've had this year. Uh, You can see not only the vendors, the legacy vendors performed, but we in Epic also had a really great month. And when I get to the revenue cycle presentation, you can really see the, the inflow of cash and the and the flow out of claims so uh it's a it's a it's a great story and it's also a great way to depict what's happened with the um, pandemic mm-hmm. so we're now at 99.4 percent we want to be at a hundred percent we're getting very close every month it's picking up and if we can get to 100 then i won't expect any kind of an audit adjustment for net patient revenue any questions there? Great progress. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's the it's it's great to see. A lot of work going into that. And the next slide is the supplemental detail. Um, I just want to remind everybody in the 2002 to 2017 uh, column, uh, I changed the format a bit just because it's all more than three years ago, and I thought I'm just going to put those negatives over there. It, I think it tells the story better that that money that we owe is all from going back. Most of it is in uh, 12 through 15. Um and it's nothing's really changed uh, in that column. Uh, the net balance we just talked about is at 90, uh, $91.2 million. Um, For FY20, uh, we look pretty good at bringing in the 45.9, again, needed for operations. And then in 21 is where we have the problem because we have to pay back those prior year recruitments. Next slide, please. All right, so this is a reminder slide. This is what I presented last month, and we did uh, give notice to the county that we expect to be outside of the NNB limit by June 30. Uh, Last month, there were lots of moving parts. We laid them all out. Um, I think I wrote a book on on, uh, what each one of those items uh, were. I wanted to put this slide in there just to remind you of, you know, that what we presented and where we ended last month. And then I'm, you know, being very conscious of not changing numbers. So we're going to start with my uh, next slide, uh, starting at the 19.2 million amount over limit. You can see there, see it there at the top. And then I'm going to walk you through the changes we've made since last month. So um, for the CARES Act, I told you we got $14 million. We didn't know we were going to get that last month, so that's a nice big positive that we've added into this. We added more for staffing supplies, IT and equipment. We had $1.5 million last month, so now I'm upping it to $3 million. The leave of absence, that's based on the first payroll that we processed in in April. And we assume everybody will be out 12 weeks. They might come back earlier. That would be great if they come back earlier. At this point, I just went ahead and went with that, uh, the number off of the first payroll. That would be $6 hit to us by the end of the year. I added another $25 of lost revenue 
going out through June 30. Again, I kind of looked at it as what's lost is lost. May, maybe 50%, and then 25% in June. So that's kind of how I did that. Um, I, I'm hoping that uh, things will settle down and we'll, uh, people will be willing to come back and get the uh, get their procedures done and we'll get them booked and we'll be able to recoup uh, some revenue before the end of the year. Again, I have to put the big green and the big red. Uh, I don't know if we're going to get additional funding outside of what I talked to you about earlier and I have no idea if things are going to turn and we're going to need to do a surge plan and expand our footprint and take care of more patients. So uh, lots of unknown there. Uh, the Creekside move, uh, we decided because we know the construction is going to delay it, we're going to move out $1.7 million to next fiscal year. So that's a positive pickup in this fiscal year. Measure A, I put red. Uh, right now, we are currently $3 million better than budget. So we budgeted $117.7 million. Um, we're $3 million ahead of that today. Um, we saw big hits in the last report. So um, $3 million would mean April, May, June, a million less than, um, than uh, what we were running. And I have a feeling I might be overly optimistic. I don't know if people are going to get out and start buying things again real, you know, very soon. So that may end up being a negative number that we might eat through that $3 million quickly. The next item there is the GME funding. So we thought that everybody was going to race to the finish line and get us that money right away once the GME was approved. Uh, we received last month word that no, in fact, it's going to have to go to 21. So I moved it. And then now this week, they're back trying to get it through this year. So next month, I'll probably put that back into um, FY20. It's a moving target. And then the behavioral health retroactive funding for fiscal year 19, we've pretty much settled that the number should be 8.7 million. Um, I've been working with the county and they are going to give me, they're supposed to send me an email on what they think will really happen. Uh, obviously the board of supervisors needs to approve funding. And then we have the issue of, are we going to need to re-adjudicate claims? Meaning are we going to go back through all of the utilization and re bill it and calculate what's due or are we going to be able to just say okay we know we spent this money can we just do like we did with the previous funding the 23 million we got for prior to fy18 they just um cut us a check we didn't have to go back through and and look at individual claims we don't know what will be required for fy20 all we know is we have the agreement that the rate increases will go back to july 1 it's just a matter of whether they'll be calculated on a claim basis or whether we can actually just you know get a check and that check might would probably be about 10 million that's what we're hoping for so when you make those changes, we are now 42.3 million over the limit um, at June 30. And then in, in March, we were what 20 million over this projection. Uh, today, right now, we are actually under the limit because uh, March was a good cash month. But as oh. our operations eat that cash up, we will be negative. Right. Maybe I maybe I said it. Yeah, I think you're. 
I think yeah. you were asking about through the February forecast of last month, was it yeah. uh, 20 million? And I think the answer to that is is yes. Uh, yes, it was 20 million. My projection as of March 31st and my projection here as of April 30 is now 42.3. Okay. And have we had any further discussion with the auditor about sitting down with them about the NNB? Uh, no, what we, um, um, Trustee um, Abelotta received an acknowledgement from the auditor controller of the uh, the communication from the trustees. And I think in that communication, she said uh, uh, that she was acknowledging receipt and that she would reach out at some point, uh, uh, or she's looking into it and would reach out with next steps. That was, that was about eight weeks ago, I believe. Just to clarify, um, this 42 million, well, two things. Measure A, I think, is clearly going to be negative. I mean, we're going to, I think, March probably eight through the three million. Yeah. And then April's off the charts. Um, so, whatever it ends up being, it's, it's not all going to hit. Uh, we're not going to go over the line. Uh, June 30th, right? It's gonna. We're gonna go over the line before that. Yeah, I did not. Uh, I, because of the timing of funding, things kind of jump around. Uh, you, we can see it on the on the the line of credit um, right. graph. That graph is actually based on weekly um, cash flow. Uh, uh-huh. So literally, we have a spreadsheet, and it has all of our revenue and expenses in it, and uh, everything. You know, every AP run, every payroll run, and so that is a real time line, if you will. We'll get to it here in just a minute, and it it jumps around a lot. Um, but and and we'll we'll get to it in just a minute. We'll look at it graphically. I guess, so. the, I guess the point I'm making before we get to that is that we're likely to actually cross over the line. The negative balance line prior to the end of the fiscal year. Yeah. Yes, that it. We have already gotten there and had to hold bills. Okay, so we that is not something that 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 happens and it happens from time to time. And what we do is we just don't pay the vendors. And you could see on the uh, what was the current number of our days in AP. Uh, we just talked about, uh, yeah, we got, um, 48.5 days in accounts payable. Uh, we were at 49 in February last year. We were at 42. Um, probably most organizations are maybe more around 30. So, um, this is critical that we get some sort of action on this rather quickly. Um, so I just wanted to make the point that it's not really a wait till June 30th. 30th. Issue. Yeah. We've got to get this uh, resolved now um, because it, it'll dramatically impact uh, the system's ability to have vendor relationships. That is very true. What's helping us right now is the fact that we're bringing in cash from Epic. I mean, that cash month was um, was really good. <laughs> right. So, 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 Kimberly, our 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 flow is about fifty million. Is that right? You know, above the the June thirtieth balance. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it drops it drops down in June to the one twenty five, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, right now we can go up to 175, so yes. Okay, okay. So we're, we're, te- we're technically not out of compliance right now, but we're, we're heading there by June 30th. Because we're holding off on vendors. <laughs> yeah, which is not, not, a good, not a good place to be. No. <laughs> no. Uh, the, the thing for me is that, you know, right now we're bringing in a lot of cash from Epic because, you know, we, we were delayed getting claims out the door. And so that's, you know, it's, it's making things not look so bad on, on our cash balance today. But mm-hmm. you realize that with 30% less charges, you know, within 60 to 90 days, you're going to see the big hit because we're not going to be bringing in that cash. Yeah, and that's uh, that's the the when it's going to get very scary. So, um, so the to so to be the net negative balance. That's an, I assume an action of the board of supervisors. Yeah, what's the process for that? So staff will have to make some recommendation. It'll have to be posted, and then it'll have to be put on an agenda. Is that correct? I. I didn't hear everything. I apologize. You said to do what to the net negative balance? Actually, to get an increase in the net negative balance. That's an action that the supervisors have to take. Is that the correct assumption? Uh, I think that would be correct because it would it would be effectively uh, amending the permanent agreement. That, uh, that, that that drives the um, the the net negative balance. But I, I think I think it has to go through the auditor controller, right? Uh, yeah, to, well, the, the, I think the contract says that if you forecast being outside of the balance, uh, that you then do what we did earlier, which is communicate that, uh, to the auditor controller and the uh, county administrator. You work on a plan, but I don't think that plan or my understanding is not that that, um, that uh, communication authorizes the auditor controller to alter the, uh, the limit itself. Um, so I, I think that would be a contractual modification that probably has to go to the board since the contract is approved at the board. Right, right. But, uh, we've got a process on top of this. We've got a process, and we're we're uh, you know we're weeks away from uh, going over the line. So yeah, um, I, I I just hope our friends of the county have some sense of urgency about this. I don't think any of us want to have a reputational loss that could come with not paying vendors. And at some point, not being able to pay stakeholders. If you don't have money, you don't have money. Okay. Uh, Why don't you take us to the next chart? Okay. All right. So the next slide takes us out into next fiscal year. Um, not, not too much has changed on this slide. Um, just to remind everybody in this cash flow, we assume that we would be able to generate, uh, a budget margin or EBITDA equal to our calendar year, 2019. I'm sorry, Kim, um, we need to, unless my screen is frozen, Mike, we need to move this slide, advance this slide. This is the the this slide that I see is the correct one. This is for twenty twenty one. My apologies. Yeah. Okay. All right. My apologies. Go ahead, please. So we're starting with the um, June forecast at forty two point three over the NNB, and then we're projecting out to next fiscal year. I probably need to change my 
the title of my row, but it's mm-hmm. uh, projecting to be 204.4 over. Hmm. So the 150000 for the old waivers, Medi-Cal, cost report, FQHC, and physician spa, that has, we've been reporting, you know, at least uh, as long as I've been here, plus I think at least a year before that and maybe even a year before that. So that is not anything new. Um, what's new here is, of course, the, the COVID uh, situation, which is um, compounding to these prior year recruitments. Um, yeah, we haven't really, we haven't got any response. But this, this gets all back into the communications with the auditor controller, right? We haven't really got any response back yet, so uh, it's, it's alarming. I mean, we're talking about, and we'd be talking about an increase of what a uh, hundred twenty million dollars next year. I mean, it's a lot of money, and I assume I assume that that is uh, is going to change a little bit as this COVID nineteen thing goes forward. Right? Yeah, well, I've I've kind of done my best guess, but uh, yeah. you know, I don't have a I don't crystal have a ball, crystal right? ball. That yeah, it's unlikely to be better. Is yes. I, I think I tend to probably be more conservative, but the the net revenue is is just a huge unknown. I mean, if we can, you know, if the if the census picks back up, I mean, it could it it could you know make a huge change if our staff come back to work. I mean, that's that would be would really help. <laughs> is is uh, and if there was more relief from the Fed, right? Yes, and CAPH is, uh, you know, they're advocating. Uh, in fact, I don't think a day goes by when I don't hear from somebody from there. Um, they, we, we had to submit more information today. We had to submit some other stuff in the portal yesterday. I mean, it's it's, it's a constant thing. So, um, you know, they're doing everything. They, it's we're not alone in this situation with COVID. Every all the other public hospitals are right there with us. So are all the non for profit hospitals. So. Uh, you know, there's talk of more relief packages that could, you know, change the situation as well. Right. So has there been any discussion of perhaps uh, um, not requesting the cost report settlements for next year? You know, that the old waiver, the Cal cost, cost report settlement. So... We were told that, and this is by uh, California Public Hospital Association, that they, CMS has required the state of California to have them reconciled and completed by December of this year. Um, but with all that's going on with this pandemic, could that change? Um, possibly. Uh, I, you know, I, 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 I don't know. I, quite frankly, I could see it delayed uh, for process reasons like uh, being overwhelmed by the, the, the crisis, but uh, the COVID crisis. But actually, uh, just a reminder that these uh, dollars, these, this recruitment is money that will go to other hospital systems. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it's not really going to be a remedy that I think uh, would be politically attractive to mm-hmm. uh, delay it any further. I mean, it, it, all hospital systems... Um, are in, in trouble right now, right? Are drowning. Yeah. Good, good point. 
good point. That's a very good point. Mm-hmm. So then the next slide is the graphic, and this is basically getting pulled out of our live uh, system. So the, the actual is the actual, and depending upon the day of the month uh, or the day or the week, and whether it was a payroll week or not, you know, we get up to that line. So you can see in uh, uh, September there, we were right there. Um, uh, we, we did get some, some funding in, in in January and March, which has helped a lot. Um, uh, and then you can see our projection, uh, which we're also pulling from there. But what's interesting to me is if you look at 19 there, it's pretty mm-hmm. – if you, if you were to draw a trend line, it's pretty flat. Right. Yeah. About, you know, there might be some little timing differences, but our our uh, infrastructure, if you will, is pretty predictable. It's not jumping that much. Right. Yeah. And then you you look at next year, if you look at the blue line, the same thing is true. In fact, it's a little less volatile because it's a projection versus actuals that might have more timing differences. The only difference is it's like a step higher and that's COVID. And then the red line, of course, going off the chart there is paying back all those um, prior um, year recoupments, uh, which, you know, we're still working to settle on those. Uh, And we may be a little conservative, but we know that there is liability out there. And uh, and the FQHC, we're uh, we're. We've gotten a, uh, a meeting set up with uh, the attorneys and some folks from the state, and I'll, I might have more information there as we start working towards a settlement. Um, but right now, we've kind of got uh, a, a kind of a worst case out there. But we shall see what happens because even the state's hurting now too, so they're going to yeah. be wanting yeah. money. Okay, yeah. so so I, I I just have to push this issue, uh, the urgency of this, and and. Uh, uh, can I ask when when was the uh, original communication sent to the auditor? Let's see. The date was I have it here in my report. Sorry, I can't find it too. Yeah, I, I April thirteenth. Yeah, April thirteenth. April thirteenth. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, and so we're at May thirteenth. It's been a month. Yeah. yeah, and we received acknowledgement on April thirtieth received uh, an invitation to have a meeting of any sort not yet. Uh, no not an invitation to have a meeting uh, uh, an acknowledgement of the message and a communication that uh, we would get an outreach soon to discuss uh, options on how to move this process forward okay. so I, I I think we should discuss what the next step is in communication um, yeah. Yeah, I think we should draft another letter to them uh, requesting, you know, urgently requesting a meeting. That makes sense. Uh, can help with that? <laughs> we, can, we can do that if that's what okay. you um, Okay. Um, I think in this letter I would just suggest, so it not be a futile effort, that we um, really stress the importance uh, that we avoid going into crisis on this and that we're on the verge of going into crisis. Imminently. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's not in anyone's interest and we are uh, available and uh, to collaborate and solve this with you. Yeah. 
That sounds like right in your wheelhouse, Ross. <laughs> okay, so, sorry, Cam. I, I, th I think the board, you know, I think if we bring it to the board and the auditor's attention, I, I, I think they'll, they should be in agreement with us that this is something we need to deal with now rather than in, in the 11th hour. Yeah, I want to. I want to say, you know, because we're in a public meeting, that that there's been nothing to indicate there isn't an interest in resolving this and, and working together on it. And yeah, I, I do think though that, um, you know, in my many years of working with a different government, government uh, gets overwhelmed with all its responsibilities. And yeah, but this one is very urgent; needs to be dealt with uh, now, not later. Yeah. Okay, thanks. I think we have a way forward there. Kim, do you want to continue? <laughs> sure. So the, the last thing on the agenda was to give a few comments regarding the FY21 operating and capital budget. Right. So um, we didn't put a formal update in the presentation today. Um, we do plan on providing one at the retreat. Um, what I can say to you is that uh, we still have a gap. Um, as I mentioned a few minutes ago on those graphs that we had uh, planned to ha achieve a EBITDA equal to calendar year 2019, um, we are about 60, 65 million short of that. Um, we are in May, so this is the time when we're usually sharpening our, sharpening our pencil and trying to close the gap. Uh, we have identified opportunities that, you know, we could do project plans for and um, make decisions to build in the budget. Um, uh, and all of that is still in process. Uh, we will do a more formal presentation as to where we are and what the variances are at the, at the retreat. It will be pretty short. It's just a, probably eight slides or ten slides. Um, in regard to capital, um, we've compiled our all the urgent requests. Uh, we pretty much said essential must do now, high, medium, and low. And pretty much, as you can imagine, there are just a lot of things that need to get done. Um, so we're planning on presenting that, uh, the totals there too. Uh, it's... Uh, it's beyond the our means of a you know if we have a, a, a operating margin of let's say it's three percent or about thirty million we could spend easily spend um, all of that even and more on just capital on the essential things not even on investments and other kinds of things we would want to do for our system so you know we ser we do have a serious um, financial situation uh, so um, it would be. Uh, really nice to get to the table with the county and kind of have a long-term uh, plan uh, to uh, stabilize our situation and make sure that AHS is in a position to be successful for the future. Okay. That's daunting. Yeah. Everyone absorb that. So I want to make, uh, I, I don't want to make this worse, but I am going to provide a reminder that um, we're in the worst case scenario on the revenue side because of uh, supplemental income. Um, we know Measure A will be a fraction. There will be a significant reduction in Measure A uh, next fiscal year and potentially other supplemental income because of the pressures on government in general. 
And then uh, here's my learning being on this board in the last couple of years, being involved with the finance committee. Um, I think staff did a yeoman's effort last year, really trying to find reductions. Um, some of us sort of suspected that maybe there was wishful thinking in some of those reductions. And sure enough, um, it's been hard to get performance to the goals on those reductions. If you look at those charts, it's in the, it's in the packet, the board packet, how we're, that's one of the things we asked for um, as a committee is an ongoing report on how we were doing toward those cost-saving measures. And it's a pretty mixed bag. I don't even think we're at 50%. Um, staff can correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I believe we're at less than 50% of what we desired to do there. Um, this isn't a criticism, again, of staff. I think, you know, my revelation is that we're left with crumbs to uh, control. Um, we don't, we're not a taxing authority, so we can't really solve it on the revenue side. Uh, we have no reserves. Um, we have no collateral to use for uh, increased line of credit with a bank, with a private institution, because we don't have that. Not that we want to do it, but we don't have that. And um, we're left with, on the expense side, um, all sorts of stakeholders who uh, rightfully so are advocating for their pieces of the pie. And then we're, so we're down to very slim, uh, narrow uh, efforts to save money. And then, you know, quite frankly, we get into it, um, into the fiscal year, those don't always come to fruition for a number of reasons, um, even, even despite best efforts by staff. So um, I think we're there. You know, the rubber has hit the road. We're there, folks. And um, I would recommend that we have a very frank, uh, open conversation at the board meeting about how we're going to get to, I mean, it's very stark when your CFO says we can't, fund our essential capital expenditures. Uh, even even if we're able to squeeze out a margin that, you know, would be pretty vicious, we can't fund all the essentials. That, that's pretty stark. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, the, the, uh, Ross is going to present in a moment a, a quick summary of the WIPRI report. Um, and I think in that report is – you know, some stark um, reminders. You know, we have an extremely expensive labor um, line, set of lines. And, um, you know, I think uh, we're going to have to consider doing things like entering into conversations with um, those stakeholders to determine how we're going to, because at the end of the day, if you don't do something, it happens to you, right? And I think the last thing we want to do is cause um, our most viable resource staff, um, staffing our staff, um, you know, paying uh, by not planning for how we live within our means. So that's my, my little spiel at this moment on the budget. Um, and I'm assuming that we're going to spend mo a lot more time um, at the, I mean, the other thing too, that's going on here. I, uh, so I talked to uh, Kim and I had a conversation about this. I really want to have the conversation at the board meeting as opposed to the finance committee because everything is moving still. So it's really mm -hmm. hard for 
him and her staff to actually put much together in the short timeline. The retreat's right around the corners. I think it's next week, but it gave, gives, gives her more time. Her staff more time. And the other reason is I think we've heard from other trustees that um, they wanted to be more engaged in the budget conversation. So I think having it at the retreat uh, meets us with that. Give staff a little bit more time and allows um, all the trustees to be engaged in I think what's going to be a very, very difficult conversation. Right. Any other thoughts from trustees or questions? <clears throat> only, only we have this COVID-19 cloud on top of all, everything else, right? Right. right. Yeah. yeah. It's a perfect storm sort of environment, unfortunately. Yeah. And unfortunately, kind of overshadowing to what I think have been tremendous improvements in our charge capture and revenue cycle because of the implementation of Epic and Kim and her team. I think that this time last year that we couldn't say that. Um, yeah. And unfortunately, it's not enough, um, but at least I think that we can um, also engage in the conversations we need to, knowing that we've made a lot of progress in the areas um, that are under our control. Not per not perfect. I know we're, we still have a lot of work to do, but, um, but you know, progress in those areas. Trustee Shikwan, um, uh, um, if, if, if I may uh, ask if you can uh, speak to maybe the, the sense of the uh, committee around um, uh, timing for the budget process too in light of uh, all of the um, the current state and the uh, conversations that you've alluded to that the board wants to have at the various levels. Um, uh, the thinking around the timeline, I'm not sure if that was a part of the package. Yeah, I think I, I, I don't want to, I'm probably instigator of this, but I do think we, we do have a discussion on the status of the budget. So why don't we I think that's a perfect question. Why don't we go to wait number C, um, which will probably be shortly here. Okay. Yeah. Would that be fine? Oh, yeah. I, I, sorry. I do see it here as item C. So, yeah, that makes sense. Thank you. Sorry. Yeah, no problem. Any other comments? Uh, Louis, can you hear me? This is Joe. Oh, hey, Joe. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm on, on my iPhone because for some reason I could not get in through my iPad. Um, but I'm, you know, I've been listening and I agree with everything that you've suggested we do. I think that, um, the, the, the perfect storm comment just reminds me of where we were a year ago where we had a perfect storm with our, with the clawbacks. Um, and you put the clawbacks aside and the new perfect storm is COVID. And I do think we've done some amazing work to, uh, I think Kimberly in particular has done some amazing work to write our financials and make them more predictable and, and, and realistic. Um, and, and by the way, the, the revenue, uh, uh, the, the cuts that you talked about earlier were really actually revenue enhancements uh, that the staff was showing. Yeah, and, thank you. Yeah. And you're right. And it, it is, it's difficult. Uh, you know, I, um, how do you get more people to have babies, right? <laughs> that was one of the areas where we were hoping to more deliveries. Um, so, uh, I just, unfortunately, I have another meeting that I, I have to step out of the finance committee, but I think we're on the right track as far as the conversation. And I think impressing upon the county how urgent it is. Uh, and I also do agree that I want this to be a full board conversation, not a finance committee conversation, just based on what we experienced last year. 
Um, and it, and it needs to be very public and transparent. And I want to have all of our partners at the table while we have it. Um, but the truth is unlike other governmental agencies that can, you know, furlough workers, you know, shut down one day a week, you know, a healthcare system can't do that. And so I, I really don't know where you find the cuts. Um, every, every program is essential, you know? Yeah. You know, the, the other thing is as the safety net provider and people, you know, a lot of people are going to be out of work and losing insurance and so forth. It's likely that it's going to put more of a strain on us rather than yep. less. Right. That's yeah. right. The work's going to go away. Yeah. 30 million Americans lost their health insurance in the last two months. Wow. Yeah, wow. So. And my uh, under my understanding. Sorry, I have to step out, but I, I trust you guys will have a good rest of the meeting. Okay. Thanks, Joe. Yeah. Yeah. I, w I was just going to say, I, I we met with a legislator uh, last week, and they were talking about the state having a fifty-four billion dollar shortfall, and only uh, and only seventeen and a half million or sixteen million of rainy day funds, of which half of it they have to you know they can only spend half of it in the coming years so they're looking at a, what a um, 30 30 40 billion dollar deficit you know it's just uh, the the most difficult of times for everyone and, um i know in a conversation a couple of weeks ago with uh, with supervisor miley he was talking about the county having something like a hundred million dollar deficit of their own Right. Yeah. yeah the governor's May re revise came out today, uh, so we're still uh, combing through it to uh, yeah. the parts that are relevant to us. But yeah. the upshot was exactly what you just said, Trustee Peterson, which we heard from some of the assembly members when we met with them. Yeah. Trustee Burkett, did you want to say something? I, I, I think uh, the dialogue's been had. This is an exercise in humility for all of us, and we do need to be thinking about. Uh, Mr. Chair, a, a discussion you've had before about what our sacred cows are, because mm -hmm. we, we, when we are at an issue where we're not bringing in expense, we, I mean, we have to think about both sides. We're not bringing in revenue. Who knows what's going to, how we're going to predict how we're going to light back up um, uh, to our CFO. I was hoping that May would be a 50%, but we're at 50% of May right now, and we have, we're, we're not even through our plan to turn it back on. So May, May's not going to be 50%. Mm. Uh, and, and, and so June might be 25 to 50% in my estimation. So uh, th th this is going to be, we're, we're going to have to have some deep and broad conversations at, at the retreat and, and identify what the sacred cows are and how we go about doing that while trying to uh, keep a modicum of quality and, and uh, appreciating our service to the, to the community because exactly right, more people will be unemployed. There will be a call even more so for, for the services that we offer here as people lose their health insurance. It's we're between a rock and 12 hard places. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so to that point, um, I, I, I do have a couple thoughts about the need to, to do this budget while staying very focused on, uh, key values and the two that I come up with are first quality and that's quality of care but it's also quality of the systems that support that care 
And a primary one for me that needs attention that is essential and cannot be ignored any longer, and it's in the report, um, the free report, um, is our financial um, software and technology, other technology, as well as the way we're organized in our finance department. And um, I'll be really clear about this. This is not a criticism. Um, this is much, it's very analogous to what's going on with Epic. You know, what we had with Epic, I was just amazed. I just came on the board and to hear practitioners talk about having to go through seven different uh, electronic health record systems. Other parts of our system actually uh, doing things on the back of uh, <laughs> doing, doing paper processes. Um, and, and to hear patients talk about how their information wasn't being shared um, across the system. I was really just struck by how necessary it was to do uh, Epic Sapphire and how painful it was going to be, but inexpensive, quite frankly, but how necessary it was for the future. And I'm so glad we did that. Um, you know, uh, it won't pay back dividends. Uh, in right now. It's going to take a while, right? But I think the same is true for our financial systems. And, you know, some of the criticism we've heard from our uh, partners at the county and, and the very valid criticism has been our ability to produce the data analytics on uh, forecasting and, and, and at where we really are um, in our finances. Uh, so like a lot of organizations, and I run one that's like this, there's the old way of doing business in your finance department, which was much more about accounting. There's the technology that now allows you to do incredibly deep analytical forecasting. And the institutions that move in that direction are really uh, like those that moved towards Epic years ago. They're, they're miles ahead of us. Um, we don't have a choice. We cannot uh, fool around anymore. We've got to somehow. We're going to have to invest in that, um, despite the uh, the lack of resources. We're going to have to find resources to do it. We're going to have to be extremely creative and, and cost thrifty. But we're somehow going to have to do that. The other one for me is that I think we ought to uh, really check our values around racial equality, equity. Um, and I think we ought to endeavor next year to look at uh, finances through quality, but also through equity. And the way to do that is to take all our programs, projects, and locations and determine if we have equity in those. To the degree that we don't, then we need to consider um, those programs differently um, because there is no way this uh, – health system, which is the safety net for Alameda County, should be not focused on the inequality within our within our county. So those are, so I just say that a lot because that's what I'm going to bring to the retreat. There's this sense of we've got to, it's not just about cuts, it's also about investment in things that we haven't paid enough attention to. Um, and that's going to be a tough challenge, but that, that's my thought. Anyone else have thoughts? Who right to that. Okay, these are, these are going to be very, very difficult decisions, and um, it's a very tough time. And, you know, the last uh, 
three weeks I've been part of that COVID-19 task force that's been going out and uh, looking at the work that's been done in our programs. And I have to tell you, our our teams and our various hospitals are really doing a fantastic job. And I just, I feel remiss that we can't support them even more. You know, and it's, these are just a, a very tough times to, for all of us. I think the way we support people who are doing great work is just make sure that we have a better, stronger foundation for the future, even even though we have to, to uh, you know, probably make some cuts and so forth. Uh, and I'll just add to that, my organization has been uh, providing the operating um, management of hotels for um, homeless people in Oakland. And we've had the privilege of working with uh, uh I believe his name is Hamilton Alter. Does that sound right? Can someone confirm that? Harrison Alter. Harrison, thank you. I knew I had it wrong. It's, <laughs> Close enough. But it was some political figure today. <laughs> <laughs> and what a you know, just what a representation of the values of the system is uh, his collaborative style, but also his real commitment to equity and and uh, to to the most vulnerable in our population. He's just been inspiring. Um, to our staff um, as he does training and so forth. So I, I you know, I, I want to get us to the day where we're talking more about um, all that, uh, all that secret sauce that we have. Right now we have to do some hard work. So Kim, I'm going to turn it back to you for AR uh, update, which is probably a good segue because it's good news. We use a little of that. All right. So do we want to do the legacy AR report or the revenue cycle? We're going to do the legacy. Okay. Legacy, yeah. This one isn't as good of news. Yeah, that's uh, right. <laughs> but as promised, I told you I'd come back once we could get our systems reconciled. Um, just from the offset here, uh, nothing's really changed. In fact, it's probably improved a little bit from when I – brought this forward in January, um, but now we've actually been able to tie everything out as of March 31st. We still have some AR to collect, so there's still some work to be done, but this is not good news, um, but it's not worse than anything I haven't already told you. How's that? Relative. Uh, so... Um, we were supposed to outsource our legacy AR early in calendar year 2019. We didn't get it started until May. Um, I'm sure depending upon who you talk to, you might get 10 different stories. I wasn't here. I just know it didn't happen. Right. Um, I know that we contracted with two vendors, Extend and uh, CMRE. Um, both are, you know, uh, decent vendors in this space. Um, the scope of work was they were to follow up and on claims and get us paid, and we are they were going to work in our AR system and post things to the patient level, and their payment was going to be based on cash they actually collected. Um, we uh, initially weren't really communicating very well with the vendors. I, I can't really say why or why not, um, and we didn't upfront come up with a way to reconcile files between us and them. Um, so it really kind of got off to a rocky start. 
Um, and then in addition to that, the San Leandro med attack didn't even get to them until December of 2019. Um, and then furthermore on the background is we had a large DNFB. And at first I looked at it and I was like, wow, how could this have happened? And then I pulled reports from a year ago and discovered that this Ibu, we called it, has always had a lot of claims in it. That this was not anything unique to the timing of Sapphire. Mm. And, and then I just put a uh, just a claim there on the bottom that... The team has spent a lot of hours and a lot of time to get this done, and I'm actually able to confidently um, give this report today. Next slide, please. So um, what we did for this analysis is we actually pulled data from all of our disparate systems. So we didn't do math to balance. We actually pulled the receipts off of patient counts. We pulled balances. We pulled uh, DNFB credits, everything, and made sure we weren't missing anything, that we had a, a valid uh, inventory so that we could evaluate the performance. Um, for collection targets, we actually started with um, the April 30th, the, the last closed cycle before we outsourced, and we did evaluation, which we do every month, and we said our AR had a, a value and that our vendors should be able to make sure that we collect that. And then uh, um, what we did is we uh, added to it a, a a higher value to the new charges coming on even though there were delays and then we have an ending target which is lower based on the aging of the account so that's the assumptions the next slide is the starting point or our inventory so this is just telling you what was there in the beginning in April it tells you the charges that were added it gives you the total amount we've collected through March 31st, the amount of contractuals that are, you know, again, all of this is on patient accounts. It's pulled individually. And mm -hmm. then it we've balanced back to our NNAR. Sorian's off about 0.03%. Um, uh, I can't explain that. All I can tell you is that we have never actually balanced to the dollar for Sorian. So that's a historical issue all the way through the implementation. I can't give you any more information other than that it isn't material, but I wanted to call it out because there are some people when you look at a reconciliation that are going to say, well, it could be a million this way and you know another million the other way and you're really way off, but that's not the case. Um, also, you can see the DNFB there in April was a huge number, and for just so everyone knows what DNFB it sounds it stands for discharge not final build. So what that inventory is is charges that are sitting out there that we can't bill either because we're missing documentation or there's some problem internally which does not permit us to submit a bill. All right. Wow. So DNFB, until it's fixed, is never collectible, right? And this was the DNFB as of April. And um, as of now, you can see we've worked through a lot of it as of 331. But when we went live with um, Sapphire, it was higher than this. So uh, it's it been an ongoing problem in the organization. And one of the takeaways with um, – 
with Sapphire is that it's transparent. You can see it now. Wow. So this can't happen again. Okay, so I, I just want to make that clear. And also look at all the different systems we had. That would have been a huge amount to monitor, um, you know, having you know six different places to pull information. Um, all I can say, you know, I don't, I don't have all the all the answers here, but I can say that having one system is much easier to manage. <laughs> so um, you can see there that our AR as of 331 is still 300 and 24.8 so it's still uh, a lot of charges out there and our average is about 16.4 percent collection rate so there's the the inventory next slide i evaluate the performance of the vendors so this only shows the vendor activity and the collection targets in here are actually the vendors collection target um, I decided to show that because I, if I did the blended um, collection rate that we did for the system, I didn't think it would fairly reflect on the vendors because vendors got a different mix of uh, payer mix as well as procedures. So mm. they, the vendor actually did their own analysis based on payer mix and you know what we thought we should be able to collect. So I thought theirs was better. Um, but if you look at it, you can see that they didn't get their own target, right? So for vendor one, their target was 14.6. They actually came in at 11.8. Vendor two was 13.6, and they came in at 10.9. So, um, um, you know, they, they've got some more to collect, so that's what the remaining section there is. So assuming they're able to get the remaining balance, they will be off 27 um, percent 2.7 of one vendor 2.6 the other so pretty consistent there um, and what I told you before was 3.1 percent in January so it's better than it was when I pulled the data in January and then you can see the fees we've paid them there over an overall 4.9 uh, percent of collections the next slide then is my independent evaluation. I probably didn't need to repeat the vendor data at the bottom there, um, but basically there's the charges, the collection target, and we we did a there's a huge spreadsheets to support this. We thought we should overall get 15.7, the amount we collected. Um, which is equal to 13.3. We still have 13 million, 13.1 to collect. So the variance to target is 37 million or 2.4%. So the bad news there is that's 37 million that um, we thought we should have been able to collect that we were not able to achieve. Mm -hmm. And. Okay. And it's in addition to the DNFB, which is stuff we never got out the door, but that was not something unique to this situation. Any comments or questions? So um, the contractual allowances is some, somehow hit in there. It's somewhere between total charges and collection target. Yeah, we can go back to the inventory slide and you can see that. All I did here on this slide is just evaluate the uh, the collections. So the, that information is all on here. Here's your charges, co uh, contractuals, and it 
comes over to NDNA R. So this is the total inventory, and then I just took the collections of it against our targets on the other slide. Got it. Got it. Thank you. Um, so it was disappointing. Um, and it's interesting to see which database, how we did better or worse in that last slide. Um, I was thinking our biggest issue would be with Sorian, but we actually did the best on Sorian. And so it really kind of goes to say that, you know, maybe these systems, Meditech and, uh, you know, Meditech systems were so old, um, you know, and they were very manual that, you know, it probably impeded the collection process. Uh, so I, I guess I could see how that might happen. Um, but with Sorian, which, you know, was a kind of more of a next generation, we did a little better. Um, and if you notice their point click, you know, that's mostly our skilled nursing and, and a lot of uh, internal work uh, happened on those accounts. And look at them. They beat their target. Uh, right. That's Richard and his team. Yeah, that's great. Fortunately, it's not across the board. Um, so, what so, am I correct in assuming that once we're through this painful process, that um, everything is up and running on Sapphire? So, the epic process? Yes. So, these are this is all legacy AR. In fact, the next slide talks about the archiving and where we are on the archiving. Um, if you want to advance it there, Mike. Um, so uh, we've selected uh, MedQuant, which is basically DataArc, and we've already begun the archiving process. Uh, unfortunately, they have a blackout period, and nobody can work in the system on the AR, and that's you know also proven to be problematic with the legacy vendors. Um, but we needed to get off Meditech because it is very expensive, and. Um, uh, we wanted to move as quickly as possible. Uh, we've already got uh, Alameda done, um, and it was a great learning process. I will say that, and it was small, so we could manage it. And so we're taking our learning from that and trying to make sure we get some, we get clean archives that can support the cost reports and any of our supplemental programs um, going forward. Uh, so I am. I'm actually pleased that we did this staging, and that we started with Alameda, um, because once it gets to Story, and we need to make sure we've got our process down, and we reconcile to the GL, and we know that we've got it as clean as possible. We get rid of those credits, get rid of that DNFB, um, so that we have a, a good source of uh, information for our cost reports and supplemental reports. That is my report. Any any more any questions or conversation on this? Doesn't sound like it. Um, go on to B five, um, and Ross is going to give us a status report on uh, the Whitfrey report. Okay. Uh, we do still have the revenue cycle too. That's my oh, good yeah. news report. If you want some good news, let's, or let's we can go us, to Web Please, <laughs> please. Well, we definitely need to. <laughs> All right. So the revenue cycle report is uh, the. I don't know, Mike, do you have that one? He's probably trying to pull it up here. Yep. Uh, so we'll, I'll do this quickly. We'll go to the stabilization dashboard, which is the next slide. 
Um, the stabilization dashboard, this is HB, so this is uh, facility. Um, as I mentioned, our uh, whoop, that's the wrong presentation. That's the right one right there. There we go. Okay. So as I've mentioned before, the key things here to look at are the payment variants, uh, the CFB, and denials. Um, and as time goes on, we'll use these EPIC reports to talk about a lot about denials and improving the revenue cycle. But for now, we're in stabilization mode. Um, if you look at the payment variance there at 1.2 weeks, um, we're actually just about at the bottom. And if you look at the graph there over the last 13 weeks, look at how that has picked up. I mean, it's just phenomenal, really. And it has to do with the fact that we've gotten the CFB down. That's a few rows uh, we're at 11.1. That has dropped substantially. We're still over the 8.1 of a bottom performer, but making huge progress. Um, and, of course, when you get those claims out the door, that's when you're going to see the denials. And so if you go down a few more open denials, 7.3, gone way up, and it's above the bottom performer there. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, but again, we got those claims out. Now we're getting the feedback, and that's helping us to stabilize the system. It's a you know it's a constant circle. You're always trying to to uh, figure out what's uh, gone wrong and correct in a revenue cycle. Obviously, this is beyond the you know this is an implementation. Uh, so much more stabilization required than an, than an ongoing um, operation. So next slide, please. So we can skip this one. Uh, you can see the AR is dropped, and that's, uh, again, because of charges, but we'll see it better on another slide. Here's our charges. So the yellow line is the claims sent out. So you can see we made up for a lot of uh, time since, since implementation. We finally really started getting those claims out the door. Um, and the green line is actually charges. So if you look to the right there, since uh, March 20th, Look at how they have dropped off. Yeah. And one of the things that Alameda has that other systems might not is the skilled nursing. Our skilled nursing stays full. So mm -hmm. um, so that may, may keep us from having as big of a drop as you might see other organizations uh, talk about. But, again, our acute care has. I mean, we are exactly like everyone else uh, is reporting. And you can, you know, it's... It's really clear, and this is, you'll see the same thing in PB. So next slide, please. Here's the payments. Look at that. <laughs> we had very little coming in, you know, until uh, the end of January, and then, bam, look at that. You know, yep. just, a, just a beautiful graph. <laughs> <laughs> Next slide, please. Uh, cumulative payments, look at that. Now we're up there above that bottom performer, which is obviously where we all want to be. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> next slide, please. Uh, this is CFB. So this is the stuff that's still in-house that we need to get out. We, we have a goal of eight days. We're still over eight. But if we can solve that, the, the first and the third item there, these are uh, – uh, case management cues, we will be at target. 
um, a lot of work and effort is is uh, is happening with the care coordination team. Um, their workflow has completely changed from what it was before. They're still working in a couple different systems. Uh, we need to support them to, to figure out what needs to happen so that we can get this stuff out the door. Um, uh, if it's, it's, it's interesting to me just because we've come so far and then, you know, we've just got this one area that, you know, truly is, uh, uh, an area in the organization that is, uh, everything has, has changed and it's, and mm -hmm. <laughs> they have to figure out how to get their work done. And, and what we're seeing is that what we've set up really doesn't work for them. If, if they're used to working in one system and mm -hmm. this, the information needs to be in another to bill it, <laughs> we got to figure this out. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, Anyway, that's the, the, the second one there, the skilled nursing, that, that one there happens because we, we hold claims and then we release them at the end of the month. So depending on the timing mm -hmm. of when you pull, you're always going to have that. Uh, in addition, we changed some setup in the claims for skilled nursing, and that's proved to be hurting us also. Um, mm -hmm. But I, you know, I will be working through that quickly. I, I don't expect that that will be high for long. So next slide, please. And here's the PB. So this is the, the professional side of the house. Um, again, the important ones are those that payment there at 2.3 weeks. Um, um, we jumped up just slightly, but again, they've, they've just done a, a phenomenal job. PB has been they've been a lot closer to guardrails than HB. Our real problem has been HB. Uh, you can see the claim edits. Again, we talked about the clearinghouse and what that did to our processes. Um, it's been coming down slowly. It continues to come down. It's, you know, it's really literally one little edit at a time, and there's probably 500 edits that we're working through. Um, Denials, again, these are high because we got all those claims out the door. Um, mm -hmm. And the denials really is a feedback loop. So when you mm -hmm. get that the information on the denials, it helps you to know if your system is working correctly. So you got, you've got the denials indicator and then you've got clean claims. And our clean claims have been uh, getting better and better and better. So they're all really good signs. Um, next slide, please. Now here's our charging, and you see the drop there for PB? It's about the same proportion, about 30%. Um, wow. They're a little more consistent than, than, than HB was, but you can see that drop in the end right right there, 320, mm -hmm. just right there. And uh, PB will be a little more delayed because sometimes the physicians take a little longer to get the, get the charges through. Uh, next slide, please. There's our payments. You know, they've got those big, huge days, too, where they got a lot of stuff taken care of. Um, I don't know if anybody will remember, but uh, when we first tried to electronically post to accounts, we, we just we it, it wasn't working. So we we had to kind of we had to spend a lot of effort to, to get it going. It's still we're in process, but it's it's we're actually getting the, the payments posted to accounts. So that's a good thing. But uh, really nice numbers there for the cash. Yep, that's great. And I think that's about it. Is there another slide maybe? 
Oh, my, uh, just a few comments. Um, you know, we are working through the fact that we've got lots of people on FMLA leave, and that hurts our ability to get work done. Uh, we also had the launching of telehealth. Um, that that was a big deal. I mean, we had to set up all that stuff in Epic, it, it, not just the revenue cycle people, but also IT and also operations. I mean, everybody had to step up to figure out how to do this. So uh, that was an uh, initiative that took a lot of time. Uh, we continue to be balancing all these different demands. Uh, Epic is trying to pull back some support. Um, I, I'm comfortable with it. I don't want to give anybody the wrong impression there. Uh, we are going to uh, keep on board one person that we've been working with well. Uh, so we're really happy that we're going to be able to keep them. Um, and we've got this this uh, upgrade coming. And obviously, IS is you know really busy you know, getting ready for that, um, upgrade. And so that's taking away resources to, uh, getting stuff, getting items worked through and fixed to get our claims out the door. Uh, but, uh, it's, it's overall, I'm, I'm really happy. The team is really coming together. Uh, next slide, please. Um, so we've, um, hired a new VP of the revenue cycle. So that position. Oh, great. Yay. Yeah, I'm very happy, very pleased. And I'm, we're getting somebody who's um, been in a similar role for a couple different organizations, and she's uh, brought up Epic already in two organizations. So wow. <laughs> I can't wait till she's here. Uh, and we also have a, another vacant position, the um, Revenue Integrity Director. This is the person that um, manages the CDM and makes sure that all the charges are getting in accurately, works with all of the folks that are doing, that are providing care and charging. Uh, so this has been a big void for us. Uh, and uh, we, we're, we, wanna, we found somebody we want. Now we just have to work through the contracting process so we can get them on board. Um, and again, that person has a lot of experience as well. Um, so I'm thinking we're going to be hitting our targets here, you know, really quickly. And again, I'm hopeful that, um, you know, safely Alameda County will be able to open up and we'll, our volumes will come back and our, and so will our staff. Great. Well, thanks, Kim. I, I do think the uh, the good news is uh, important to embrace for because it's really about the future. It's about what we can do in the in the future with stabilizing uh, revenue collection. That's that's really good news. Yeah. Okay. I I'm sorry, Ross. I went off of order here, so I, I need to go back up. Uh, B- no, you're on order. I think you're. Uh, I'm B five. That was. Uh, yeah, I was going to go to you next, but I. I uh, I forgot Luis. Yeah, let's get to Luis. Luis, do you have a, a report, maybe a summary? You don't like to do the full report, which we respect. Uh, I, it's your call, Mr. Chair. Uh, I, I, you have the report. Uh, it really just uh, provides greater detail to what Kim has mentioned um, in, in her you know, much broader uh, system-level report, consolidated statement report. Um, but, um, <clears throat> so, you know, so Luis, I, I, I don't know if I speak for others, but I think what would be really great if you would just summarize what your life is like right now, trying to, uh, keep operations, uh, functioning in this time where we, 
Um, we're in a crisis, but we're also in a, uh, you know, we have an elective uh, procedure uh, lull. So, you know, what, what, what's going on with you every day? <laughs> well, uh, well, thank you, sir. Uh, what, what I will say is that, uh, you know, we're, we're continuing to, to manage the operation as best as we can, trying to mitigate and, man, you know, and, and reduce expenses as appropriate, flexing. Uh, we're, 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 we have much more flexibility to do that in certain settings. Uh, in others, we don't, don't have that type of flexibility, so it makes it very challenging. Uh, as Kim said, we've had a lot of people that, uh, a lot of staff that, that uh, you know, took the, you know, took the uh, the benefit of, of uh, the paid leave, and and so that's resulted in in uh, you know some some gaps in some of our areas, and so that then drives up your your cost because then you're covering with premium time and overtime, and so uh, that's reflected in all of the all of the data and all of the numbers. So um, again, volume has been low, uh, but the activity has been high, and so. It has been a very emotional time. Uh, you know, everyone is dealing with a lot, uh, not only uh, personally, but professionally. And so trying to manage that, trying to balance that, uh, you know, just to give you an example, we had uh, uh, in one of our units uh, out at John George, uh, several, I mean, this was uh, several weeks back, but we had a, we had a uh, staff member that, uh, that uh, you know came into work was at work for just a couple of hours uh, wasn't feeling well uh, this was before the the entrance screening process and uh, uh, was sent home uh, he then uh, proceeded to be tested tested positive uh, as a result uh, the entire unit uh, called off oh, no. and and so so I had a full unit uh, with uh, you know, full of patients and, and no staff to, 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 to provide care. So uh, we made it work. Uh, we brought in, uh, we had a, a very responsive group of, uh, of uh, per diem staff and, and uh, other staff from other units. And, and uh, we were able to, pro to provide high quality care. Uh, we made that happen and uh, we continue to you know, support those patients. But uh, that's the kind of stuff that we were dealing with and that we've been dealing with here for the last uh, 10 to 12 weeks. And so, uh, you know, we're, we're still very diligent about uh, our, our protective personnel equipment. We want to make sure that uh, we have everything we need to ensure that our our staff, our physicians, everyone has the, the, the protective equipment necessary to, uh, to care for all of our patients, regardless of, of what their needs are. Um, and then now our focus is, is um, I think, as Delvecchio may have alluded, or even uh, Dr. Bouquet, but uh, we're, we're, you know, in, in actively in the conversations of reevaluating and revisiting our, our operations. Uh, you know, we do have... Um, you know, as they say, with with every crisis uh, comes some opportunities, and so we're we're looking at how uh, we can take this uh, you know this time that we have uh, you know reduced some of our services and that we have experienced some depressed volumes to reevaluate some of our workflows and and uh, see how we can uh, you know bring them back in a way that's going to uh, introduce greater efficiencies uh, and and also help us uh, continue to achieve. Uh, you know the quality care that we all come. You know that we have all expected, and so, so that's our focus. And then, uh, lastly, in operations, and uh, obviously equally important in our intersection with quality, is we're uh, placing a, a tremendous amount of, of uh, energy and focus on our joint commission. 
uh, you know, uh, plan of corrections that uh, we submitted, which was uh, accepted by the by the Joint Commission. And uh, our staff has been, uh, again, uh, you know, you can say the opportunity of uh, taking advantage of the low volume. We've been able to go into some areas and do some deep, thorough cleaning, uh, some floor care, some maintenance, uh, things of that nature that oftentimes are a little challenging when you're always full. And so, um, so anyway, so, you know, there's been a tremendous amount of activity. There continues to be a lot of work uh, from a performance perspective. Uh, again, you know, the finances and, and, and operations uh, are directly linked and, and uh, how we are managing that, uh, uh, you know, within all the different uh, impacting variables uh, that, uh, you know, with all the benefits and leaves and, and uh, premium time, registry staff, things of that nature. But we're, we're continuing to do everything we can to, to be very fiscally responsible and uh, and ensure that uh, that care delivery is is always uh, front and center. Thank you. Are there uh, questions for our CEO? No. Luis, something about lemons and lemonade. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we do what we do. Luis, can you make some comments on uh, the stock? Of our uh, of our PPE, how you're forecasting for our trustees. Know that that our our incident command center, or uh, which we get a version of that report, I think uh, um, has a link to what our PPE status is. And uh, I don't know if all the trustees actually ever click that, click that link because it's actually hard. It, it comes into the intranet, so you have to be on site for it to be or VPN. So you may not have access to it. Yeah. Luis, I, I, that's actually one of my favorite reports, given the circumstance we've been in. Can you make some comments about what would you, at current at current run rate, how far out do you think we are with regard to PPE status? Well, it it, uh, it certainly varies, and, and uh, I saw Mike looking at his screen. I thought he was going to maybe pop up that uh, dashboard uh, quickly, but... Uh, in any case, uh, it depends, as you said. I think the one caveat uh, that you've mentioned, uh, Taft, is is you know our formulas are calculated on current utilization and, and averages based on you know the last seven days. And as of right now, I mean it varies. There are some areas where we we have sufficient PPE that takes us well beyond 30 days, uh, which is what the county has been looking at, and they have set that as a target uh, for uh, you know restoration of services. And so in some areas, we have like I said, well beyond. Uh, the, the 30 days. Uh, there's a couple of, of, of items that we're still sourcing, uh, you know, which are, are still challenging, and that's like the hand sanitizers that we, you know, we currently have individual dispensers and bottles, but, we you know, the, the, the bulk dispensing, uh, which is our refills for all of our installed units, uh, that still continues to be a little bit of a, of a delay. Uh, we're also having some delays, and there are some uh, uh, you know, challenges still with masking uh, and some of our items like the, the bonnets that are used for, you know, head covering for our procedural areas. And and so those are still difficult to, to come by. And so we're managing and a lot of uh, all of our vendors and our primary suppliers are rationing, for lack of a better word, uh, how the, the allocation is made to all their different customers. Uh, but uh, again, we, we although the command center obviously uh, uh, is no longer... Uh, in full activation, uh, we're, you know, this is a report that we continue to update. We have it uh, available on our intranet. We're continuing to manage this, manage this every single day. Uh, we continue to source not only with our primary vendors uh, through our GPO, but also with other vendors that we have that we have received. And uh, 
and uh, you know that, that have been uh, supportive through that. So um, again, I would say that uh, it varies on several items, but what you know what I will uh, give you a sense of comfort is from a masking perspective as far as the N95s. Uh, we certainly at this point have uh, more than adequate supply based on current utilization uh, for more than 30 days. Uh, our uh, isolation gowns are also, we received the shipment. And so, oh, there we are. Awesome. That's it. So this is, uh, this is thank you, Mike. Uh, so as you can see there, um, we're, we're working through that. Uh, our stock today, as you can see, there's a lot of green. Our resupply, what we're showing there is that... Uh, you know, we're still working through our vendors, and this speaks to the fact that we have them identified as yellow uh, due to the fact that, uh, you know, we're still working through uh, our allocations that we're receiving with some of our vendors. Uh, and then uh, the last column there, which talks about the, the surge, that's in the event that, that we were to, to see uh, an influx of patients or increased volumes, and obviously our utilization would be impacted. And so uh, we're thinking that uh, although we're currently green and we're feeling really good about where we stand, uh, where we would we would have to be very cautious and see how that's being managed uh, in the event of a surge. So, uh, looking at the very first column stock today, as I was mentioning just before Mike brought the the, the, the table up, uh, gowns is one of those areas where we're we're continuing to, to source actively and look for that. Uh, but as I was saying, masks and 95s and our surgical masks, which is what everyone is required to wear. Uh, across any time they're in any of our facilities uh, where we have adequate supply for those. So that's that's kind of where we stand at this point. Thank, thanks, Luis. Trustees, have you seen this report before? Yes, yeah, I think Javecchio shared it with us. Yeah, it's sometimes hard to access, but it's on it's on a daily link uh, through, and again, I think it's to the internet. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's it's a popular report amongst those who are interested in this, and it's a, it's a, it's, it, it, it's a well-done report. Thanks, yeah, Luis. Very nice uh, dashboard. Yeah, kudos, kudos to our uh, general counsel. He actually does a lot more than just being a lawyer. He put this together <laughs> for us. He was phenomenal. Okay. Yeah. Going to challenge those lawyer jokes. <laughs> Work for a living. Uh, thank you, Luis. Appreciate uh, your report off the cuff there. That um, actually, um, I think. Gave a good flavor of what's going on. Uh, I'm going to move to B4 post Epic Go Live finance update. And I leave this back to Kim. So, is this, this was the, uh, my, my good news presentation yeah, that I yeah, believe I've already given. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> that that. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I'm the one that messed this up, bounced it around. So, let's go now back to Ross uh, for a status update on the Whip Reader. <laughs> Okay, um, so uh, I did not uh, post any material on the website. We, uh, uh, I was uh, reluctant to spend a lot of time today going over a 200-page report, but right. let me, uh, and we're going to have uh, more discussion at our offsite. But let me give you kind of a brief summary. So, in in the fall of of last year. Uh, several, several, several of our trustees met with members of the board of supervisors, and at that time, the board of supervisors members that we talked to strongly urged us to have our own independent review of our uh, fiscal operations. That was different than what had been done in the past. In the past, it had been done in collaboration with the county, and we actually did it together. 
and I'm not sure who, who funded it, but it was kind of a joint report. And uh, the uh, uh, the board, uh, uh, our board appointed a task force to put together a request for proposal, uh, included uh, uh, three of our uh, trustees, and we went through an RFP process, did a national search, and identified a company called Wifley, which is a nationally known uh, CPA and uh, healthcare consultant practice. Um, the first phase of the project, uh, which is now completed, just recently completed, included an independent review of our revenues and expenses for 2019, uh, looking at our, uh, that was our actual, looking at our budget for 2020 and uh, validating projections uh, provided by management. Uh, then there was a review of source and application of funds and looking at funding gaps. And the third thing was an analysis of the structural foundation of our authority and how it meets uh, community expectations and, and our ability to repay debt. Uh, the, uh, um, uh, process in, included how, how we did, how we did the process is we decided that we would meet with a lot of the affected stakeholders and in a two two part process one we would meet with them we would gather the information from them and then we would subsequently go back to them and make sure that the uh, preliminary draft report that we were doing uh, made sense to them and that it had credibility and where there was a difference of opinion about how something was interpreted, we went back and took a look at it and decided whether uh, final changes should be made. Uh, the, uh, the, the folks that were included in the process were the chair, uh, with the, our uh, then uh, trustee president, uh, uh, the finance chair and the audit chairs. And then we met with board of supervisors and their staff we met with the auditor controller we met with the healthcare services director and her finance director and then we also met with the alameda healthcare district board members and um and then of course our our internal finance and administrative leadership uh the uh, uh process uh the report uh includes an executive summary and detailed financial assessment and then a, uh, an extended uh, discussion of partnership and collaboration. The whole report, which was uh, sent out to the Board of Supervisors, I think about two and a half weeks ago, is uh, 200 pages long. And it's, it's, a, it's a very uh, comprehensive report. And we've asked to have, a, have some you know, dialogue with the board about it. And in the meantime, we thought that uh, we would also uh, have some uh, the discussion, not just with our board of trustees, but actually to have some uh, uh, opportunity for people to uh, discuss the report and give us feedback in an open forum, uh, which I think is scheduled for next week. Uh, the, brief, is that correct? Yeah. And, you know, among the, among the significant talking points in it, and I think was already covered uh, by Kim, but I just, and keep in mind, these are, these targets change over time. And, and I have to say this whole report is pre COVID-19. So it does not, it really doesn't address the COVID-19 impact, which is a significant one. But uh, on the uh, review of the cash of our cash uh, flow and our uh, financial needs, uh, 
at the time that the report was done in uh, mid-March, they were estimating that our we would exceed the net negative uh, balance that's required by June 30th by about 20 million. And I think now we're what, it's about 40 million. So, you know, which is the COVID-19. And then by by next year, we would have a shortfall of about 195 million. And I think now it's about, it's about what, 220 million or something like that, right? So, so it hasn't, so the changes so far are really just kind of tied into the COVID-19. Um, it, the report goes into kind of detail about uh, how we got to where we are in terms of our financial balances. Um, we don't have a, a, we have a very unusual arrangement around our accounting and our cash balances. We, uh, we really don't control our cash ourselves. We, uh, it's controlled through the auditor controller's office of the county who access the, access the treasurer. And so uh, we have both our financial statements and the information that's included in there, but really what the county looks at uh, a lot closer is the actual cash balances. Um, the, uh, there's some, um, we don't have the uh, ability to set aside money in the event that we, you know, we, for instance, when we, we knew that we had these uh, possible cost report settlements, but we didn't really have the capacity within our accounting system to set aside money for those. Although if you look at our, if you look at our financial statements and you look at the liability section of our financial statements, it all ties in. Uh, so anyway, the report spends, uh, spends uh, a significant amount of time talking about that. And then it goes through a very lengthy financial review uh, some of which is more for accountants than anyone else, I would say. And then it, uh, it does do a very nice job of talking about our supplemental income and uh, how, how we've gotten to the uh, cash balances that we currently have. And then the third section of the report really talks about our, uh, our governance and whether or not it, uh, you know, talks about what makes the most sense going forward. Uh, do we continue with the same governance that we have now? Do we look at some other form, uh, you know, outsourcing and an in independent entity uh, uh, or perhaps the, having it operated by the county? And it, it raises those questions. Um, I think uh, uh, so the themes that come up again and again and again throughout the report are, first of all, communications and trust. Okay communications between the between us and the county uh communications between us and our employees uh communications between us and uh uh other other stakeholders uh, the communications and trust uh around uh this populations we serve and our role in serving them and then there's the whole uh, issue that came up that was really part of the need for the report to begin with is the whole issue around data and the data that has to do with the uh, patient population we serve and the underlying trust okay and basically um, uh, a number of our stakeholders feeling like the information that we provide is not not credible it seems like it changes a lot and it uh, causes a lot of concerns on their part. And so we, the report goes into that in some detail. 
And then it has a section where it talks a lot about efficiencies and uh, uh, things like our EPIC system and how it really has helped in some areas and where we really have um, a shortfall kind of going back, kind of crossing between data and efficiency around our whole financial systems and the really the whole federal and then spends a little bit of time talking about competing interests between the interests of the various stakeholders around the operation of the Alameda Health System. And, and then uh, in the backdrop is the whole discussion about our role as the uh, net safety net provider and providing services to uh, the most vulnerable population <coughs> and how that often tr translates into um, uh, revenue shortfalls. And uh, uh, anyway, that I think that I'm trying to do the whole thing in a couple of minutes, but uh, really, that's really what's in the report. Uh, I know all of the trustees have a copy, and I'm sure you yeah, you should take a night when you're really having problems sleeping and read the <laughs> report <laughs> because it's a, it's, a, it's a very long and detailed report. So the plan is, uh, as I said, later this month when we have our offsite is to go through the report in some more detail, actually have the main partner from Lifley, uh, Jane Jerzak, uh, with us uh, to lead along with myself in kind of going through the report with the, the trustees and then have uh, some open forum where we allowed, allowed other stakeholders to comment on the report. And I think our plan is that uh, we would post it on our website within the next week or so to make sure that everybody was able to get access to it. Uh, we did provide access to uh, uh, a number of our stakeholders already. We sent uh, the report to them in, uh, in electronic form. And then I think with Board of Supervisors, we actually sent them it in, uh, in hard copy form as well. So it's a, it's a major undertaking. It raises as many questions as I think it answers, but it gives, gives one a, a good sense of where we are and how we got here. Wow, that's a great report, Ross. I really appreciate mm -hmm. it. Yeah, just say that it's worth reading, um, and you probably have to read it a couple of times. Yeah, um, I read it late last night again. <laughs> to prove your point. Good sleep, huh? Yeah, exactly. It helped me sleep last night. Um, and, but it's really good to to get you know the whole purpose of having a group come in, qualified to do this sort of activity is really to for the objectivity, right? They're looking at it with fresh eyes. And I had a couple, you know, several ahas while reading. I won't go through those now. I shared a couple of them earlier, um, and and because you know, when you're right in the thick of it, it's really hard to to connect the dots sometimes. Uh, quite frankly, so I think this report does help, will help us connect some of those dots. Hopefully, it will help some of our stakeholders also. But there's a lot of explaining that goes on. Quite frankly, yeah. In the report. Yeah. I think it's so important the context for the system. How do we get here? Who's who's in charge? You know, who has responsibility? Um, who's the treasurer? Who's you know? Who who are we? Who are they? Th that sort of thing just uh, really is important for understanding. Um, and then you know, quite frankly, that gives us the basis then for asking the question of whether it can be done differently um, in the mm -hmm. future. Um, which is a big, you know, it's a, that's a big question, but 
it, it's been a question that's been with me since I've been here. It yeah. just kind of doesn't feel like it's complete right now. So yeah. there's an opportunity to do that. Well, I, I, I do think, too, that, that uh, trusting trusting collaboration is really what we, what needs to be worked on by all stakeholders. It's, and it's not, it's not just on our end. I think it's on all ends. But Yeah, the I report think- is very clear about that. I mean, there's a lot, almost every uh, section goes back to that. Uh, sort of comment that theme it's sort of we forget we forget that we are all in this together quite frankly i mean that's just it's kind of that simple like, yeah. the human thing we forget to do that sometimes uh Pat, did you want to comment no uh that was a good summary i'm i'm listening today uh madam president do you have anything Apologies, she actually had to get on to a mayor's and uh, supervisor oh. call on uh, racial disparities and COVID-19, so she oh, got off a little bit. She's getting a beat on the equity. Exactly. <laughs> That's great. Um, so my understanding, just so we're really clear, that um, the process is that we're going to, this is going to be part of the agenda for the uh, retreat. And um, I just want to be also... We should talk for a second about the expectation that uh, we get feedback from stakeholders. So there will be an yeah. item, I assume, on the retreat agenda that allows for public comment. Right. I can speak to it a little bit. We've been doing uh, agenda prep with uh, uh, both uh, Trustee Abelada and uh, Trustee Hernandez. Uh, um, Mike can correct me. I missed a little bit of today's conversation, but the plan uh, now is they have um, – they have uh, drafted a communication to reach out to uh, targeted stakeholders from various entities, the county administration, uh, supervisor uh, staff or supervisors, um, um, uh, labor, uh, medical staff leadership, and other stakeholders uh, that kind of lays out and frames some of the narrative that Trustee Peterson just uh, uh, referenced as well, uh, uh, shares the um, uh, report with them as well and invites them to make remarks and to engage in a dialogue along with the board. So different and separate from uh, uh uh, public comment, uh, where it would just be one direction. It's actually kind of a hearing-based format where oh, uh, uh, subject to people's uh, uh, interest and willingness and ability to uh, pre- um, prepare some remarks and share them and participate in the dialogue, uh, that's what you would be setting setting up the uh, format to allow. Good. Yeah. Great. 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 And, you know, I, I'm, I'm really hopeful that, uh, that, that it, the input we get is constructive and that we don't attack each other, and we sort of look for the high points here in the areas where we can work together. Um, yeah, I, I, I think they share your sentiment, uh, Trustee Peterson. I, I can assure you we do as well. And so uh, uh, to enable that, uh, the agenda actually and the outreach is actually um, laid out in such a way as to identify, I think it's like three or four, perhaps five, different specific uh, things that we're asking people to comment on. So it's not just sort of open-ended, you know, uh, um, 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 unstructured dialogue around, you know, around just issue, points of issues, but it is uh, an opportunity to get people's thoughtful input on uh, those areas that you're talking about here, many of which are called out in the report in an invitation to have a dialogue specifically around those. So I think she'll be wanting to frame that in that way and not to be dismissive or rude of any other comments, but really trying to tailor the conversation to have this very important discussion. That you like well, to just to clarify, I would imagine we're going to have a process where there's general public comment. 
Well, yeah, there will still be a public comment, separate public comment uh, section. Uh, this will be a focused dialogue about this. You're right. Exactly. So it, it doesn't preclude someone coming with a public comment. Sure. Right. Like That's right. Off topic. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. Perfect. Del Vecchio, to clarify, that communication is still being drafted or has already been drafted and sent? Uh, they finished drafting it uh, as of uh, this uh, afternoon, I believe, and okay. I'm actually working on the communication that Got it. I sent to Trustee Abelada to send out hopefully this evening. To, to, to all the, just so the trustees can be prepared about what was, how, yes. how our stakeholders were prepared. Yeah, so you will see that as well. Wonderful. Yeah. Good, good work, everyone. And I, I want to point out that... Um, Trustee Peterson did an incredible uh, um, effort for us here and in, in sort of liaisoning with staff um, and the consultants. I, I honestly didn't think it was as much work as it was going to be, but watching him uh, manage this and, and really hold it, um, you know, just really, I'm very grateful. Uh, I, I couldn't have found the time. I know it was really hard in your schedule. Ross, I just, I'm very grateful. Thank you. Thank you. And let's, let's hope it, it's not in vain. Let's hope we have a really fruitful outcome. Yeah, I don't think it will be. I, I think um, I'm, I'm optimistic. Yeah. We're going to somehow move forward. Me too. Uh, Trustee Shequin, uh, can I, um, uh, I've sh probably, I'm sure I speak for Kim as well, but I'd like to echo that sentiment. Uh, mm -hmm. We spent at least uh, an hour a week uh, for several weeks on a Thursday morning uh, uh, with Trustee Peterson, and there was a lot of offline reading and outreach and meetings uh, that we also had, many of which he uh, actively participated in on top of everything else. So uh, uh, I, I have no doubt that uh, this would not have gone as uh, smoothly and as robustly as it uh, did without his uh, leadership. So Yeah, just to say something about that, put a little more context on that. I One of the reasons I was hoping Ross would uh, step into this role, which he overdid, quite frankly, in a positive way, was that at the time we started this process, staff was overwhelmed with other people doing uh, similar, uh, you know, consultant uh, work and so forth. And, and also just, you know, Kim just got here, trying to get settled. So I was really concerned about, you know, and then Epic Go Live was happening at the same time. Hey, let's just load this on top of you too. So, uh, again, uh, a real... Uh, <laughs> Just very grateful that, that Ross uh, made that smooth and, and uh, apparently not too painful for, for staff. Well, the, the other thing I should mention is that uh, Kim has played a really significant role in this process. And uh, and we are just very, very fortunate. I know Del Vecchio knows that as well. We are just very fortunate to have her as part of the team. I second that motion. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, I'm going to move us on to... Uh, I see, uh, and I think we've already alluded to this, so hopefully it's not a long discussion. I will just repeat that. Um, well, I won't repeat because I said it. Uh, we're going to have the budget discussion at the retreat. Um, it's going to, therefore, involve all the trustees. That gives staff a little bit more time. And uh, the things that um, the task at hand, the objectives, I think, involve actually uh, giving, receiving, and uh, 
understanding the budget that staff gives us uh, or the, the budget directions, um, options, let's put it that way, and then providing feedback uh, to staff on uh, particular directions that uh, the trustees favor over others. Um, and then I think a big, so there's that, and that's a big, obviously that's going to be a really uh, big lift. But just as big is a decision we have to make about when we're going to do this budget. Do we think we can do this on time this year, um, July 1st? Um, having discussion made does give us another finance committee meeting and board meeting in June uh, where we could approve the budget. So it seems like that's feasible. But I'll just remind everyone we're still in the middle of a crisis. There's still a lot of moving pieces, uh, I know. And, right? And so it may seem uh, prudent to um, do what we did last year, and that is uh, to move forward in a positive way, uh, roll over the previous year's, this year's budget, um, and then approve a budget in late summer. Um, yeah. And, and so that's an option. So there's downsides on both of those, upsides on both of those as well. But that will be basically, that's my understanding of what we'll be doing at the recruit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Any, anything else, Chris, uh, you want to add to that? Staff want to add? Certainly want to hear from staff on this too in terms of process. Kim, does that feel like to you? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good process. I, I, I'm concerned because we don't know so much. And if we're going to pass a budget and then we're just going to turn around and constantly be trying to update it for the latest available thing, I, I, it can be, it can be difficult. We, we think we could get a baseline or a preliminary budget done that we could even load just to give us something to, to measure. But I, I really am concerned that there's just, um, so much unknown right now and and i my understanding is even the county and others are doing more of like a preliminary and then they'll do a final when they have better information yeah I, uh, i've seen that in a number of places yeah yeah there's a there's a great old article i think it's out of harvard business review way back when which said uh, the, that annual budgets are dinosaurs and, <laughs> and and it should always almost always be rolling and uh, something for us well, uh, de facto, I think we're doing that. You know, you know the, the saying is that a budget goes out of date the day after it's approved. Right. <laughs> well, it's a plan, right? And that's what yeah. happens plans. Yeah. <laughs> okay, um, great. I think that's – is that enough feedback for, for you, Devek, you and Kim? It is for me. Thank you. And I appreciate Kim uh, underscoring the point. Uh, as you all recall, we had a similar situation last year. Uh, on, um, last year, we ended up in this boat a little bit uh, more hastily, uh, given the um, uh, challenges we were facing. So we really appreciate the, uh, the consideration from the trustees to partner in this way, uh, recognizing, uh, as I think Trustee uh, um, um, DeVries said earlier, that this is the new crisis that we're in, and it just feels better from uh, recognizing the uh, the operating challenges, the labor challenges, and others that we'll contend with to to try to lower the temperature 
uh, on this uh, front while we continue to address this this really fundamental piece uh, with your with your support and direction. So uh, we'll do that balance as Kim mentioned the ability to load uh, a budget something that's preliminary or however we try to define it with you so that the staff can have um, you know, purchasing ability, hiring ability, and things that they'll need to continue the operations with an understanding that we'll be re re uh, revising and finalizing it over the first couple of months of this fiscal year. Yes. And Mr. Mr. Chair, can I get some clarity uh, on uh, something which we open the meeting up with? What's our plan for, uh, uh, is, is it Trustee Peterson who's going to reach out to the soups on the net negative balance? I can't remember exactly what our timelining is about that. What was our exact process? Uh, I, I, I think we actually, dra uh, Noah, we drafted a letter that Noah reviewed and sent out on behalf of the, uh, the Board of Trustees. Okay. Uh, and when did yeah. that go out? Uh, sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Trustee Pisa. No, no. I, what that was in in uh, April 13th. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. That's what I mean. I mean, well, our, our follow-up to the follow-up. What's our plan for our follow-up to the follow-up? What I what I heard was your request uh, for us to uh, just send another message, underscoring the. Uh, the sense of urgency and the desire right. to meet uh, uh, as quickly as we can and try to avoid the, you know, the, yeah. the uh, catastrophic situation. So we'll draft something that's uh, just a follow-up. It doesn't even have to be as that. The other one was a formal notice and a request. Yeah. We can just follow-up. Say, okay, got yeah. it. Yeah. And, and Trustee Peterson would be is offered to to look uh, at. I think the the this again. I'll just I said this before, but I'm going to say it again. Is it's a sense of urgency about that. right yeah and i guess i was just asking about timeline is it possible that will go out before our retreat next next week yes i was i was looking just looking for smart goals there timing would be before next week so they're, they're we're talking about the one to the auditor controller on the net negative balance right we also have a <clears throat> we're waiting for a follow-up from the board on on the transmittal of the Wifley report to them as well okay oh. right there are two things going on got yeah. it okay okay uh the the oh you're saying a follow-up um uh communication from them uh regarding the uh the Wifley report right or, or maybe maybe what it is is inviting them to the you know to, to the table part, participate in that, that discussion yeah, I think in that communication, uh, when you shared the report, you uh, communicated that the retreat would be a um, a, um, uh, a discussion uh, where there's an opportunity to participate there. And I think you also indicated a desire after this discussion with a broader stakeholder group to have more focused dialogue between your two boards after that. Right. Right. Good. Okay, I'm going to move us to item D, action item. Um, too controversial. Is there someone who wants to make a motion? Do we need to hear a report? What, what would you rather? Um, motion. Second. <laughs> okay, all those in favor? Aye. Uh, the motion passes for both items. Hold, hold on. D2. Hold on. Lewis, we, the, it, the motion needs to state what it is, and so it needs to be, you know, that you're moving to approve, you know, the the contracts as set forth in the agenda, or something along those lines. Uh, motion to approve the contract set forth in the agenda. Okay. And uh, Ross, right? And we're all in favor, correct? All those in favor? Aye. 
There we go. We were just moving fast, Mike. Thanks for catching us. Um, I think we're there. Uh, we've got a lot of planning issues that are going to come out of the retreat, so I don't think we need to discuss that until uh, after the retreat. Um, any other comments from trustees? Not hearing any, I'm going to close the meeting. Thank you, everyone.